Hello everyone and welcome to the Talk Music Podcast, where we chat everything and anything to do with the world of music, and occasionally focus on topics a little bit unrelated. My name is Scott Kibbe, I'm a drummer turned comedy singer-songwriter and now apparently a podcaster. You're going to hear me chat to many people, but more often than not, it will be fellow musicians having conversations about their careers and lives within arguably the greatest art form in the world. And you get this for free, that's right, for free at scottcowie.com. We have two guests on the podcast this week. Originally, we were supposed to be interviewing Graeme Clark from Wet 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 and Graeme alone. However, Graeme Duffin owns this studio and I dragged him in and I says, Graeme, you need to be a part of this interview because we need to talk about the hugely successful Wet Wet Wet. Years and years and years of massive success. In 1989, over 80,000 people went to see these guys at Glasgow Green. In the 90s, they were a stadium-selling band as well, yet they can still go out and sell out the Hydro. The Greatest Hits album has been a huge success. Graeme Clark has also had a successful solo career. He's on the road this year. He's currently in the studio recording. He was literally recording on the day that we interviewed him. We need to check this out. Graeme Clark from Wet 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 with Graeme Duffin. It's going to be a good one. Now, when Graeme Clark speaks, we all listen to music, and he thinks it's going to be a good idea if he opens up the podcast with one of his new songs. So we're going to get right down to it. No messing about. Check this out. Three, four.
and disappear We're here back with the two Grahams from Wet Wet Wet, Graham Clark, Graham Duffin. How's uh, it going guys? Hey, good. Marvellous. Tell us about this track we just heard. That was a song that uh, we just put together in, at the tail end of last year, which was 2013, a song called uh, Don't Let Your Dreams Disappear, which is, as it says on the tin, mm -hmm. you know, hold on to those dreams because uh, you never know what's going to happen. It's worth noting that we're in the Foundry Music Lab in Motherwell. Correct. Mr. Graham Duffin's studio. Graham Clark up for a few days. Yes. Not only are you doing this podcast, what you were this is well, just after a, a recording session, so yes. what was going on today? Well, I'm just putting some more songs, putting some more ideas together uh, for an EP that's hopefully going to come out in uh, the not too distant future. But like everything, it takes time and takes energy, and you know, I, I love doing this. This is, this is my job, and uh, what a fantastic job it is to come up here, work in a studio, play some music, and be with friends. And uh, it's magic, you know. I've I've been lucky enough that I've done this all my life, mm -hmm. and uh, all because of a song. So it's great. I love it. All because of a lot of songs. 30, 30 chart hits in total. Do you do you forget how many singles you've had, they've had that have charted? Do you forget how many number ones? Do you keep track of it at all? Oh, okay. You, you kind of don't ever forget, you know, I, I think it was always, when you first start, you know, you want to write a song and then you kind of eventually get there and yeah, so I mean, I, you know, I, I kind of remember most of the, the songs that we've ever written and, and put on, put out there, mm -hmm. you know, so yeah, I mean, I don't keep track of it, like we've had 30 odd number. you know, that's, that's other people's, that's stats, you know, and, and sometimes I think, that's almost like a world that doesn't exist anymore, you right. know, charts and all that. It's, it's, you know, we're in a new world now, you know, and, mm. and it's not that the old world is bad and gone or good and new, new, the new world is bad and it's none like that, you know, it's just different. It's just, it's a different kind of playing field now and I still think a good song is a good song, you know, mm. as it was years and years ago, you know, when, when we did it. Uh, at the beginning of our careers, I still think that you know a good song is a good song today. You know, and you know, I often think to myself, is the world waiting for a new Graham Clark song or a new Wet Wet, Wet song? And I think, well, yeah, you know, they're waiting on a new good song, mm -hmm. and uh, we don't ever get sick of that. You know, mm -hmm. I still get excited when I hear good tracks on the radio. I still get excited when I hear good music. You know, so what young bands are doing it for you at the moment what inspires you to, uh, the, you know you say you, when you hear a song you think right that's that's maybe I I mean there's lots of good lots of good young people there was you know in Wet Wet's gig Philippa Hannah right she's a pretty talented songwriter um, Bruno Mars you know right. from pop music uh, I still kind of the, the older I get and I think once you get by 40, you're allowed to listen to guys like Bob Dylan and Little Feet and people like that, you mm. know, so, uh, you know, that's, there's a place in my heart for these people too, you know, but yeah, new music, what was the last thing I listened to? Foster the People. Right. Um, you know, I thought that they were writing some nice songs, 
um, as I say Bruno Mars and Katy Perry I thought had a couple of nice songs as well you know so I mean I'm not there's not a snobbery about it you know right. a good song is a good song no matter who's come up with it or who's singing it you know you touched on the tour there talk us through it then what was it like playing the hydro because I've heard you know some people are saying great things about it there's, there's kind of mixed reviews so far mainly positive what was your experience Oh, I had a great experience there. I, I loved it. Uh, yeah, I have heard that too about the sound and about the acoustics there. But I think as soon as you move into any big place, it's kind of there's a difficulty in getting the technical side of it, you know, to, to sound right. I think standing there on stage, it, it looks like a serious venue and you feel as if you're playing a serious gig. And, you know, it's great that Glasgow has that now you know it has a serious looking venue you know mm. maybe they do need to work in some of the acoustics and the sound and stuff like that but you know as I say I think you know whenever you play big kind of arenas you're always going to have that big swimming around kind of sound going on you know and and it's hard it's hard to especially when things are up so loud as well you know but I had a good time I thought it was a fantastic place to play and um, you know, I think Glasgow's lucky to have a place like that. You know, as I said, my friend said to me, he, he walked around as he was watching us, and said there isn't really a bad seat in the house. You know, and right. I think, you know, when you compare that to the SECC, I don't think there's any contest. I think, right. you know, it probably sounds a lot better than that ever did. You know, so so I enjoyed it. I mean, what did you think, Grace? Did you? Yeah, it was great. A very positive experience of the whole. The whole thing, and as you say, as you say, it's a world class venue, and certainly from an audience point of view, the sight lines to the stage are just in a completely different class mm -hmm. to the old SEC. It's much more like a an upscaled theatre environment mm -hmm. uh, where it's curved, it's all cal calculated, so every seat. Mm -hmm. has a clear view of the stage uh, which was something that was lacking in the old major venue mm -hmm. uh, no, I had a great time and, th and there is a, you know, although there's thousands of people there, there, there is a kind of intimacy there, you know, I know that sounds kind of contradiction in terms but you know, the sight lines as you, as you call it, it kind of it brings mm -hmm. people in there, you yeah. know and, and, and I certainly felt that we, we had a good time you know yeah. and well, the, the Glasgow crowd man the audience know. seemed to have mm -hmm. a whale of a time anyway does it you know Pete I get asked that question a lot where's the best place you play you know and, and without alienating the rest of the world <laughs> by, by saying every, yeah. every place is <laughs> the best place great. that night <laughs> That right. venue's the best one in the Depending tour. Depending what town you're being interviewed in, that's <laughs> that, the best that's place. The best, absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, you know, there is a, there is a, you know, we're from Glasgow, mm -hmm. so immediately there's a connection there, mm -hmm. and you know, there is a special atmosphere. It's, it's always special to play in different parts of the world. You know, don't get me wrong, but you know, coming home, you know, lots of people, lots of excitement, and you know, it's where it all started. Absolutely, you have been so used to for years arenas full of people singing along to your songs do you remember the first time the gig that you were playing at people started singing back and you think I'm onto something here do you remember that moment just 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I remember all the early gigs where, you know, it was just all our friends and, you know, there would be maybe 40, 50 people there and little clubs in, in Glasgow. The Fix was one I remember. There was uh, Daddy Warbucks, which is an old gig in, in, in the town centre. You know, not that they were singing back and singing their songs, you know, but certainly, you know, there, there was a playing live... It's always special, you know, there's always, you know, you don't know quite what's going to happen, <laughs> anything can happen, things can go wrong, things can go really well, you know, so there's always that kind of little edge to it. I do remember after our first single went out there and we went back to play in the pavilion and it was at that point that it kind of, it was getting crazy and, you know, we then had an audience, you know, mm -hmm. which we didn't really have before. We had friends and family coming to see us. So, you know, I suppose at that time things changed from being, you know, the cottage industry to, to being, you know, pretty much out there in the mainstream, you know, and playing our songs, playing much and I was lucky and everyone's singing along. And when you get more than 20 people singing along, you know, then you know, well, maybe, <laughs> you're, on, you're on to something. Maybe this is a good thing, you know, maybe this isn't such a bad thing after all, you know, because you, you never know, you never know what's going to happen, you know, you, you obviously, like that song I just played, you know, don't let your dreams disappear and, you know, I try and say that to, to people I, I know, you know, never give up, man, you know, you mm -hmm. just don't know what's going to happen and, you know, luckily for us, we never, mm -hmm. and things happen, you know, things happened, not quickly, but certainly, you know, it wasn't sitting around waiting for it to happen, you know, mm -hmm. things were kind of, not immediate, but almost immediate, you know. I'm interested to know, not many of us at all have had this experience that you've had, you're writing these songs, they're the selling out arenas, there must be some sort of pressure there to go, right, okay, they're reacting now. Is this next album going to be as good? I mean, talk us through that. Is that going through your head? Or are you just enjoying it all? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, maybe in the earlier days when we were taking ourselves seriously, that might have been a problem. But, you know, I think now you just embrace the moment, man. You just, you look for the joy that's there and you embrace it. And, you know, that that's the way I, I, I roll now. And, mm -hmm. you know... If there was any kind of, you know, I wouldn't say problem, but, you know, you do tend, in your 20s, you know, you do tend to take yourself a wee bit too seriously, you know, and, and I think, yeah, by all means, take what you do seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously, you know. Got you, right. And I think now, the older I get, the more I just think, man, I'm so blessed, I'm lucky, I can go out there and, you know, people pay to watch our band and mm. how many people can say that you know it's it's a complete pleasure and when i uh, when i vocalize this and you know when i when i put it out there and hear myself saying it i just think man you know i'm so lucky and i'm so mm. blessed and i do feel that you know I'm people in their 20s taking themselves too seriously you must without naming names watch tv interviews of some folk younger folk now that are becoming really really successful and do you look at them and go yeah, yeah, you're kind of going through something that we may have went through, or a little bit, maybe. Okay, I mean, but you, you know, you've got to go through it. Right. You, you know, they've got to do that whole thing, and you know, that's that's for them. You know, I, I've kind of, you know, not that I've been there, seen it, and done it. See, um, if you're still there doing it when you get to your age, <laughs> come back and tell me about it. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's you know, absolutely, it's it's something that I've 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 had to learn to do is you know not take myself too seriously and but take what I do seriously, you know, and and I do, but you know, at the end of the day, we're we're playing music and we're entertaining, you know, mm. and we shouldn't forget that, you know, mm. that's that's what it's about, you know, mm. and yeah, it's it's kind of has its place and has its value. But it's it's entertainment, you know. That's that's really what it boils down to. Very insightful stuff. And with the two games from Wet Wet Wet, hang on a second, there, guys. We're just going to advertise some of our previous episodes, which you guys should check out. Previous episodes. Now all these episodes are available of course at www.scottcowie.com Click on podcasts or you can do www.scottcowie.com forward slash podcasts Episode 1 we had Glenn Matlock from the Sex Pistols Episode 2 we had Huey Morgan from the Fun Loving Criminals Episode 3 Sandy Tom Episode 4 we had Brian Ray who plays guitar with Paul McCartney That was a cracker Episode 5 was Oriante, phenomenal female guitarist Episode 6 the head spokesman of NASA Mr Bob Jacobs That was a belter And yeah you heard me right It is the head spokesman of NASA Episode 7, Dr. Phil Towle, that's Metallica's therapist, fascinating stuff. Go check it out, www.scottcowie.com forward slash podcast. One gig that I've watched quite a lot, the Celtic Park gig, 1997. I'm interested to know the process. Do you turn around to the manager and say, I think we should play Celtic Park, does somebody suggest it to you? How does that all come about? I think back in in the day, you, you were always... It was always kind of let's move up, let's move up, you know, let's let's kind of try and make it bigger, try and make it better. That that was it, you know. You, you you're kind of ambitious to to that point, and um, yeah, you always want to be seen to be moving up, moving up. And so, of course, after you play the SECC and and the arena tour, you know, you then go on to stadiums, you know, and and certainly. You know, saying we're playing a stadium and do and and playing a stadium is two different things entirely. You know, it it made me understand. You know, I kind of don't get me wrong. It's great to play in a stadium. That's you know, there's big energy there, and but there is this element of it's it's huge, it's massive. It's then become this huge, massive, big thing. You know, arena's fairly big as well, but you know, I think. You know, there's more of an intimacy inside than than say playing outside in a in a stadium. You know, it was an eye opener. You know, right. it was you know certainly I felt. I'm kind of glad that 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 it's not. You know, nowadays that we don't go out there and play stadiums. You know, I, I there's, there's something there's something kind of impersonal about it in a sense. You know, mm. and and it, and it's like. I've been to a couple of stadium gigs and I don't like them, you know, I don't like them, it's, it's kind of, uh, you're stuck at the back sometimes and you're looking at tiny wee guys and it's right. like, I'm here seeing Bruce Springsteen, is, is that is that him? Oh yeah, it is him, because there he's on his screen and he's mm-hmm. he's huge, you know, and and there's a sort of, there is that television aspect of it, you know, where you could be in your front room watching... Except you would, you're freezing. <laughs> you're freezing. And you would have a better experience watching it in your front room, in the living room, man, you know what I mean? And and, and with the sound and stuff like that. I just, 
you know, I loved doing it. It was great for, for what it was. And as I say, we were ambitious enough to kind of go, all right, this is the next step. This is the next stage. This is the next place So you we sat go. down and discussed it as a group. Let's, let's you know, let's well, take we, on this. You know, it got put to us. Did, did we want to do it? And of course, you know, what are you going to say? Oh, no, I'd rather, you know, <laughs> I'd rather downsize, man. Yeah. You're like, no, let's, let's make it bigger. And that was it. You know, we came from the 80s where, you know, even the records that we made, it was bigger, it was the big production, it was the, you know, let's make, let's try and make this even bigger than the last one, you know. And, and I'm not talking about in a in a hit sense, I'm talking about in the production sense, mm-hmm. you know, and that obviously manifests itself in going out live as well. Let's make it bigger, bigger stages, lots very, more guitars, you know. Bigger's better. Aye, well that that was that was the way that we, we thought was the way to take it. You know I just what? find it so interesting the fact that you've started the band with your mates and then you're driving up because when you go to the football on a Saturday you know and there's 45, 50,000 people the amount of traffic and all that and mm. in mm-hmm. stadiums there's all these guys that must be working on the stage for days or weeks on end or whatever and it's all for these four or five guys in this band. Yeah. That must that must have been just insane to know that you've started this band which will probably seem like five minutes ago yeah. to that point. It is, and I mean, you do, there's a certain amount of, you know, that, that you are blasé about it, you know, and and that's what I mean, you know, we were lucky enough that we had a sabbatical and were able to kind of come down off of this, how can I explain it, like it was a merry-go-round, you know, you jump on the merry-go-round and it just spins faster and faster and faster. you got to hang on tighter and tighter the faster it goes and then and then you sort of get to that point where you go right we need to have a break and then you step off and you're disorientated like you've been going round the merry-go-round you know so it takes you a little while to acclimatise and in that sort of period of acclimatising back into life you can then reflect on, on what you've done at the time you're just running as fast as you possibly can for as long as you possibly can in our day Bands were only meant to last five, six years, and then that was it. It was kind of over, you know. There wasn't this. I don't think we kind of sat down and said, "How are we going to map out our career?" You know, I mean, mm. we just we're not that type of person, you know. Any of us in the band, you know, it was like. I think if know, a band lasted five or six years, it was doing really, really, really well. Yeah, I mean, even like. Going back to Reg Presley and the Trogs, I think they were only together for like less than a year. Right? I know, man. It's in eight or nine months. Aye, aye. And that was it. Well, let's talk yeah. about this then, right? Because I really want to know that. We, I mean, we can't do an interview without talking about that. No, right? I shouldn't have said that, Grazer. <laughs> I brought it up. I'm sorry. Right. I mentioned it. Hey, listen, man. Just for the record, I love that song. I I love that record, and uh, you know I stand by it. It's one of the few that we can listen to today and actually go. Actually, it still sounds pretty. Yeah, we are we are of course talking you know about what? love is all around. Oh, right. So here's what, here's here's what I want to know, right? Who tells you you're at number one, right? This is what I don't know. Are you getting a phone call? Are you listening to it like everybody else was on a Sunday night? Yeah, in the right. early days, yeah, yeah. Well, that was the first time that you knew was hearing it on the radio along with the rest of the listening public 
It was like, so you yes, said, are, are you 15 weeks in a row going, are we going to make it to week seven? Well, mm-hmm. let me tell you, after three weeks, I thought it was over. Right. Because on the chart show, which was the ITV version, which they did the chart on the Saturday and played the videos with Ant and Deck. I don't know if you no, quite are that age, man, you know what I mean? No, but, I remember, I remember well. But we dropped from number one on the ITV chart to number four or something. So, of course, they usually... They're not usually that far wrong, you know, they're usually, there's an indication of what's going to happen. So after the third week, I thought, oh, that's it, it's over. And in a sense, I thought, hey man, we've had a number one. It's, it's there in history forevermore, it's great, we've done, we've done what we set out to achieve. And of course, come the Sunday, I'm probably, you know, by that time, you get to the point where you just go, this is crazy, man. I can't really believe this is happening. You know, this, who, who's still buying it? What, what, why are you still buying it? You know, it just got to that point where you were like, I didn't really understand and know that there was that many record buyers in the UK mm-hmm. that could keep a record selling that well over the four months. And of course now... It's a different thing, isn't it? You know, now it's that you know that'll never happen again. No. So, so we were like we were the last one out of that boat, really. You know, and so that's why it'll always be a, a baseline in my life. I feel like you know will be you know oh, love is all around what you us. Did there. <laughs> you see a see? baseline. Uh-huh. <laughs> Number one for four months. It's just like I don't think people. I I remember it really really well. Do you remember what well, knocked I do. It off the chart? Do you remember? I remember, but I, I mean, really vividly because it, I mean, it was, it's, it was crazy. And and you know the funny thing about it, I was skint at the time, right? I had no money, and I had people doing some joinery work in my house. I'm four weeks into the fifteen weeks of being number one, and the guy's going, "You owe me three hundred quid," and I'm trying to say to him, "I've no get any money, man." Yeah, uh, but. <laughs> And he's going, ah, that'll be right, mate. Oh, You're right. number I've one, man. What are you talking about? You must know, be so loaded. This is doing my head down because I'm trying to think who, who replaced it. It was some. It was the. It was Wakefield Saturday, Saturday night. night. Yeah. Right. And do you remember in the big breakfast? It really wound me up because Chris Evans presented there with flowers for knocking off number one, <laughs> and I remember that. And I remember thinking because I wanted to, <laughs> to beat. Swine. I wanted to beat Brian Adams. Oh, do you know what? It, it became, it became this thing where we were like, oh. We'd actually started recording the new album and we'd went to Italy to a little island of uh, Napoli called Capri. Capri. And uh, we'd we'd get there and we'd start recording and then he'd say, hey, by the way, you're still number one. You need to come back and do Top of the Pops. And by this time we were going, no, we don't want to come. And they said, well, look, please come because you generate more sales if you're on live on top of the pops, wow. right? So they said, oh, we'll give you a private plane. So your life just turns <laughs> into so this crazy, f- f- fast... From the studio, we're kind of running down to the port and we get the hydrofoil across the bay in Naples. We get picked up by a car. The driving in <laughs> Naples, by the way, is white knuckle driving at its most extreme. So there's this white knuckle ride from the port to the airport on the private jet uh, some some um, liquid consumables were probably consumed and after <laughs> an hour it was like yeah, 
Excuse me, mate. Is there a toilet on this plane? <laughs> and then it's well, you're sitting on it. Oh no! How long have we got to go? Oh man, hey, maybe another hour and a half. <laughs> it's, this is ridiculous. Ah! Well, that, I mean, it was this. That was how crazy it got. You know, where it was like, it's you amazing. know, when when you when you verbalise this and when you talk about it, you go, my God, cool. man, our life was just that was this, insane. Yes. This crazy existence of you know trying to kind of service this you know and you know I've heard people talking about it it's the ball and chain isn't it you know some people yeah. embrace it you know embrace your albatross you know that that's the way I look at it now you know it's like yeah it's you know people will know us for that song you know but it's not the birdie song you know what I mean it's it's a kind of it's a pretty good bit of music you know so it's good it's great. that it's it's kind of you know that's what it's attached to you know it's not attached to some novelty kind of piece of bubblegum man you know it's something weighty and good so in terms of that you know the further away I get from it the better a perspective you get on it you know and, and, and it was hard when you were in there and going why you know I couldn't put my finger on you know why is that so hugely successful and in another song probably been you know crafted a little bit better why is that not right. 15 weeks at number one and I'm not just talking about our stuff I'm talking about any anyone else's songs you know that I, you know if we knew that then we mm. would be 15 weeks at number one all the time wouldn't we you know it's just one of these indefinable things where a lot of things come together at the one time that's it, that's four it. weddings and a funeral we were the right band at the, the stars right were time. Right aligned you're right you know, did the perfect storm it, well, it, 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 it actually still winds me up Wickfield I, I just you know if she's listening I want her to hear how annoyed <laughs> we all are you know <laughs> oh, listen, no. listen I, I, you know it's we had enough time man we were 15 weeks we were 4 months it was time for somebody else and we were saying that from week eight or nine, right. and saying, "Look, man, we need to get on with making music, you know." And of course, it was like, "No, this is we still, need to go and promote this. This is it's still, still got one two months to run." And of course, you're just like, "Not that we knew that, you know. You just you you're just running as fast as you can for as long as you can, and we were lucky, you know. We were lucky." Well, this has been an absolute blast. You're coming on for a part two. I know we haven't spoken to you about it, but we need to. We've not. I've got a bunch of papers here. I haven't used any of it. This is only going to be part one. Great. So it's all good. Yes. On the podcast, the two grains from wet, wet, wet. We've already organised it, folks. Don't worry, all you wet, wet, wet fans. That went by like it was five minutes, but a great interview nonetheless with Graham Clark and Graham Duffin. Like I said, we've sorted dates, we've got it all organised. Graham Clark will be on again. He wants to come on with his acoustic guitar and he wants to break down all those great songs that he's written over the years. He genuinely is a big fan of the podcast. He was giving me feedback. He's listened to the previous episodes and we're going to have him back, as I said. We're going to end the podcast right now with a friend of mine and a friend of yours, Ron, that's producing the show and a bandmate too these guys play together quite a lot Ross McKell how good is Ross? Oh, Ross is brilliant he, how many instruments does Ross play? 
too many. Too many, right, too okay. Many. This guy's a cracking drummer, cracking guitar player, really good songwriter, good singer, and a good friend of ours, as I said. And we're going to listen to Ross's track. Go check him out in the net. He's all over SoundCloud, Facebook, the usual, all the socials, as they say these days. It's a track called Handy. We'll see you next time. And by the way, tell a friend, let them know what's going on over here at scottcowie.com and check out Ross McKellar. We are-